Aloha. Aloha. Amen. Stand with me in the reading of God's word today. Let's, uh, you know, if we can stand for the worship, we can stand for the reading of the worship. Amen. Amen. Let me give you an update on what happened last Sunday. Last Sunday was Pledge Sunday for our Building for the Future campaign. And out of 16 families, right, you, Ohana Church, has pledged, in addition to your tithes and offerings for the next three years, you all, 16 of you families, pledged to give for the next three years in this Building for the Future campaign, drum roll please, drum roll, drum roll, right? Over $68,000 to the campaign. Man, yeah, that's a win. That's a win. You know, somebody says, God don't need money. Amen. But his ministries does. You know what I'm saying? That's the reality. And we believe that if we're going to ask God for 1% of the city, okay, that we need him to raise up leaders that allow us to engage this city with the gospel. We are going through a series for the last fall. We have been going through this momentum series. We are actually on week nine of this momentum series. We are an expository church, meaning we read books of the Bible, study and preach through books of the Bible. We did Ephesians for about a year and a half. Now we are going through two years in the book of Acts. We've landed on chapter 19 of the book of Acts. And just a recap. There is transformation going on in the city of Ephesus. Somebody say glory. I mean, if you want to see revival in Hilo, it can't just happen in this church. It has to happen in every gospel-centered church in all of Hilo. True revival doesn't isolate other Christians. True revival gets all the believers together, and more than a denominational name, denominational name, the gospel is all about Jesus. And so we get to a point where there's some great movement of the hands of God through Paul's ministry. Some unusual miracles took place. I mean, Brada, like me, would have the cloth. They would wipe the sweat off his off his head, and this cloth would be given to other people to advance the gospel, and they would be healed. But we identified that's not for all cases. Like today, it wasn't a mimic of the gospel, but it was the reality of an historical view of the gospel. And we see even that people were denying their black magic, their witchcraft, their sexual immorality. They were throwing things away. The witchcraft came up to, you know, $7 million dollars. That's how much their heart has changed. And now we come to a shift in the story. And I want you to say, neighbor. Say it louder. Act like you're at church today. Neighbor. There's a shift happening. A shift. All right, stop cussing out there. There's a shift. S-H-I-F-T. All right. There's a shift happening. And as we look at our text It says this in verses 21 to 34. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Feed me. Amen. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see what? Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. Now, Asia is not Asia, China that we're talking about. Asia is minor Asia, which is mostly Greece into Europe, Macedonia area. Verse 23 says, about that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. 
Now, there is a significant theological point in this verse, and you see that way, the way is what? The W is capitalized because the way they're talking about is Jesus. In their speaking symbolic form, verse 24 says, For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen, meaning he wasn't making money, brada. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our what? Say it with me. Wealth. This is how we got money. He goes on and he says, And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not, say that word with me, Gods. Verse 27 says, And there is a danger, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrupt, but this root, this, help me with that word, disrepute, but also that the temple of that great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. 28, when they heard this, they were, help me out. Enraged, they were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Archytas, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. They were from actually Thessalonica. But then, when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the archaics who were friends of his sent to him were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander and whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that Alexander was a Jew, for about two hours, say that hours with me, two hours, they all cried out with one voice, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. God, help us to understand this bulky text today. Help us to realize that apart from your spirit, These are just lyrics on a page. Lord, uh, give us wisdom. Give us insight. Give us mana'o. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's ohana says, amen. Let me tell you something about this text. John MacArthur puts it this way. When God begins to bless, the enemy begins to attack. Read that with me. One, two, three. When God begins to bless... The enemy begins to attack. Can I get some witness up in here, right? I mean, he begins to attack. Let me, let me ask you a question. Do you really know in this life who's your opponent? Devil is the only opponent we battle today. 
So some of you may have some call between your relationships today. Oh, honey, hurry up. We got to go to church. Church start at 9.15. Hawaiian is 9.14. But I got to get my songs in this morning, all right? If I come in on the last song, I'm going to miss out on Jesus today. And so you miss the whole song service, and you're like, I told you. I told you 9.15 Hawaiian. But you know, like, look, look at me. What happens is the devil is at work. And then what makes it worse, you're going to confront him like that. You devil. Like, you're not, you're not calling the devil you devil. You, why is you calling your husband the devil? You devil. I mean, get this one part in the Holy Spirit. I can just feel God and all that. And I did not experience it in, because you made me miss the song, you devil. You got to go deeper than that. Ephesians 6 says it this way. We don't struggle or wrestle against principalities of this, uh, against flesh and blood, but the principalities in this world. And what happens, we are so immune to truth that it no longer sets us free, it just belittles us. But when we understand truth, truth, help me out, sets us free. So let's go back to the text. I want us to see just two ways the enemy attacks. Specifically, the believers in Ephesians, uh, being an exegetical church, expository church means we let the scripture interpret what? The scripture. So let's look at the text. Let's see how it addresses the enemy's tactics of attacking the people in Ephesus. Number one, we see financial greed. We see financial. If you look at our verses today, Demetrius, a silversmith, was not concerned so much with his goddess. When you read the text, he was concerned with his wealth. That was his major priority. Demetrius was concerned with his wealth. And if we're all honest, instead of just pointing the finger to Demetrius, we need to point the finger to Moa, right? To ourselves. Because in all reality, we are, at the core of our heart, financially greedy. Look, I can point everybody's spiritual growth to how they manage their money. I can point everybody's spiritual growth to how they live generously. Why? Because everything that stems out of our heart, right, is influenced by how we give or don't give. Look at this. 1 Timothy 6.10 says this. For the love of money is a root of what? All kinds of evils. Now, it didn't say for the love of money is the root. It says what? A root. But it's a root of all kinds of evil. It is through the craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Here's really two truths out of that. Two results we see of the love of money. Number one, people are walking, walking away from the faith. And number two, people walking into more problems. You having a lot of problems? All right? You having a lot of problems? Yeah. Little high school girls, yeah. I get plenty of problems. All right? Right? Amen. Thank you for being honest. You have a lot of problems? You have, you, you, you have a problem with walking away from God constantly? How are you managing your money? How are you managing yourself? If, is what you're giving or what you're spending honors God? That's the reality. This man knew nothing about the true God, so the only thing he was concerned about wasn't Artemis, his goddess. He was concerned about his business. And not only that, this message of the Bible, of the cross, was going beyond uh, Ephesus. It went all throughout Asia, and we see this wealth issue. People who are worshiping false idols made by hands, right, carving images, 
were losing money because of one reason, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for us, when we evaluate our heart, we, we walk away from the church, okay, now not the building, the people of God, because the love of money has captured our heart. Now, is the issue, is, is money an issue? No. It's when we allow money to be our God. Look at this. Look, and Demetrius' outcome, his result from this issue was this, to bring about this very greed, to give less influence to the gospel. So what Demetrius does, all right, influenced by the devil, he will do anything he can to stop the gospel of Jesus Christ moving forward. Because ultimately, it's not Demetrius. It's the enemy. But we can read this text and we can see like, we, we can see how the enemy's not involved in this. This is all man. I've heard people say that. It's never all man. Everything physical is the result of things spiritual. And that's what we see in there. And here, here's a question for all of us for the financial greed side, all right? You guys ready? Are you a Demetrius? Like, are you more concerned with your wealth than your God? Are you more concerned with other things but what matters? The creator. Are you more interested in the creation or are you more interested in the creator? Because hey, listen to me. Is your heart filled with greed? Are you more concerned about your financial wealth? Demetrius was concerned about his financial wealth. He wasn't concerned about the goddess Artemis. Later on in the text, we see Demetrius just adds on the name Artemis just to justify his wealth issue. And, and we can point the finger again, but Christians can be that way too. Christians can be that way. I grew up in a church. When the giving was low, guess what we did? We did three more offerings during the service. And some of you guys remember that right, growing up in the church. We don't do that at Ohana Church, okay? But sometimes we did that just to me. Now, sometimes maybe that's true. But for us, we believe if the gospel is going to be the gospel, the gospel should do its job, not us. The gospel, should, here's a reality truth, not on the screen, but just hear me out. When it comes to Demetrius, if there is a god or goddess that is dependent on mankind, that is not a goddess or goddess worthy of any praise. If there is a god or goddess that's dependent on you, that is not a god or goddess worthy to be praised. That is not a deity worthy of my affection, my attention. That is not God. I mean, when we think about that, Hawaiians, let's be honest. Like, the only reason why we're mad about Mauna Kea is because you prejudice. You know nothing about the historical sites of Mauna Kea. You don't know everything. We don't know everything about Hawaiian culture. Why? Because it wasn't written down. Everything is olelo. The problem with olelo is that it's inconsistent. He said something, next generation said something else. Then how do I know that? Because I already heard 20 different stories on how the gospel came to Hawaii. And the only thing that was consistent was what was written down versus what was shared. You guys make sense? There's a reason why the word is written down. There's a reason why we stand for this. Because listen to it, there's only one author, Jesus. And it's consistent. You go from Genesis to Revelation, there's a consistent theme, redemption. There's a consistent theme that God is redeeming mankind back to himself through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And when we look at the text here, we see that financial greed has come into place. And for Christian, God is not sitting up in heaven, right? He's not waiting on humans to do their part. I promise you that. 
Oh, if only Zeke would listen to me. God is completely in control of what's going on here on earth. Like for real. He's come, no, that's man. No, listen to me. God does not respond to man. Hear me out. Man responds to God. He is sovereign. He is completely in control of what's happening right now. This does not mean that we don't have Kuliana. This means that we need to be dependent more on God. That's what it means. The enemy will do whatever he can to make you lose track on the complete sovereignty of God. That's the deal. Like the enemy comes, he steals, he kills and destroys. And you know what he starts with? Your joy. He sucks your joy. That's why sometimes, sometimes my joy is motivated by worship music. So if you guys, uh, we, me and Ulu, we have this worship leader that we grew up on. And man, he sings songs of the psalmist that just captivates us. So sometimes I just got to keep on singing some of the songs or listening to that songs that line up with truth to even let, to allow me to read truth first. The God, listen to me, God allows us to go through these situations to worship in such a way that he allows us to get our hearts off of the financial greed or greed in general. God wants your heart. And now, now here's, let me hear it. God don't need you to give him your heart. That's what makes him God. Now, that kind of theology gets in trouble in some seeker-sensitive churches. But God is absolutely in control of your heart. Can we talk about Jonah a little bit? Right? Jonah's heart took him away from Nineveh. What did God do to Jonah? Made him go back to Nineveh. Look. God is completely in control of what's going on right now. And, and we didn't say this, but in Job, God gives a description of the devil's tactics. He tells Satan, you can do anything you want, but don't touch my, my man Job. What is he saying? The devil cannot do anything apart from God's permission. So listen to me. God even uses the circumstances and situations of the devil to draw you closer to him. Why? Because we need him. Are you with me? Say, I'm with you. So number one, we see financial greed. Number two, the enemy attacks in another way with fellow partners. The Ephesians grabbed Gaius and Archicus. And Archicus is, is, they're both from Thessalonica. This was on the second missionary journey where Paul, you know, got them. And they followed Paul into this third missionary journey. And we see a consistent thing in Paul's life. Paul's whole model of reaching the world was taking natives out of their land and going to other places for them to experience different cultures and contexts. I tell you what, that will bless you. Many of you, you just need to get away from Hilo. Because a lot of you think like this is the world's view, is Hilo town. Let me tell you, as one Hawaiian brother, like 20 years ago, when I went to the mainland for the first time, I was calling all the howlers up there, auntie and uncle. And everybody was questioning me. Wait, you look nothing like this, brother. You know, and all that. And then I would say, bra. And they said, is that a derogatory name, word right there? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's different, the culture. When I moved to the South, you called everybody uh, uh, sir and ma'am. Right? And that's how it is. Yes, sir. I mean, all the, the kids over here that calls uh, the auntie and uncles, auntie and uncles, it, the kids, they're called, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Like, that's part of the culture. I mean, you go, and then, then you go to Italy. Oh, well, let's back, back to the United States of America, right? Don't kiss someone on the cheek in the United States, all right? You kiss, they think you, brother, they think you're putting one move on them. 
In fact, we got to tell our brothers when all these ladies come to Hawaii on these mission trips, hey, be careful, Hawaiians. No scare them, all right? They, you won't kiss them, and they single. They're going to think you, you're God's man for them, all right? And you may think the same. You, you know, no, it's different cultures and all that. You go to Italy where I was. In fact, I saw where Paul's last missionary journey was in Rome. I was there at the building and all that. So many different things. You go to Japan. You don't look at each other in Japan. There's 4 million people in this small little area. You don't even talk story. You know me, I like talk story. How's I'm walking like this, not just because I'm big and slow, but I'm walking like this because I'm amazed by it. Japanese people like this. They're going at it. They're going at it. They're trying to get to A and trying to get to B, and it's all train. Man, the trains is filled up with, like, look like sardines in the train at rush hour time because it's just crazy. Different culture, different climate. What Paul did was he took these Thessalonians to places like Jerusalem and Ephesus to see the different culture and context. Why? Because you got to understand the people before you can share Jesus with them. And what Paul understood was that they were deceived by the enemy through Artemis, the goddess, and through their wealth of greed. And they took these two Thessalonian brothers with Paul, and they made an embarrassment about them. Those who threatened the message of Christ, like Demetrius in Ephesus, was attacking not just the message of Christ, but the people who belonged to Christ. So when Japan was reached with the gospel in the 1400s by the Jesuit priests, missionaries, the Japanese in Nagasaki would start killing the priests and the missionaries. What they realized was the power of the gospel was getting stronger in Japan. And so what the leaders of Japan did was they switched the roles. Instead of killing the missionaries, guess who would they kill? The actual Japanese people that would receive the missionaries. Because now... The priests or the missionaries have to second-guess things now. We don't know if that Japanese know Jesus yet. And some of them, there's a movie about it, some of them have to, have to give up their faith for the sake of these Japanese to be physically saved. Listen to me, all right? The enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's trying to do with you right now. You know, he's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to kill you literally. And he's looking at me. He's trying to do whatever he can to make people say that he's God. He's not God. And so the devil does something that is pretty symbolic and pretty consistent. He confuses mankind. Let me tell you one time, one thing. I heard it a lot, especially with Hawaiians here. They always say, oh, I'm thinking too much. Or this, this terminology is not used in the mainland. Or, I, you know, I get a lot of things on my mind. You know why you got a lot of things on your mind? Because that's the devil. He's putting all those things on the mind. And instead of you going to the source giver of life, you will go to other things to get rid of you. You try to work more to, to keep busy. That doesn't work. Because everything you're trying to do is physical. What you need is something, help me out, spiritual. And what happens is, this is there's an assembly taking place in our text. Right? And this assembly, they dragged these Thessalonican Christians into this assembly. And we see three things that take place in their agendas. We see number one, the local person's agenda, Demetrius. His agenda was to make more money. All right? So his deal is we got to fix this issue. So they took them into this big assembly area to make uh, any kind to these two brothers. Number two, we see the local Jewish agenda. We see Alexander in the text. 
Alexander was probably, was probably a leader of the Jewish religion. And he's probably wanted to give a defense in the text because he wanted to tell Ephesus that we Jews had nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you, what happens when he about to speak and they saw that he was a Jew, the crowd began to boo him. Boo! Right? There was a shenanigan thing going on. There was, you know, when you go to a football game, we got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? There's one of those things going on inside this arena, this assembly. And ultimately, because the Ephesians were filled with thousands of them in this assembly, they were able to win it because the last issue was we've seen the local people's agenda, the Ephesians. And we know that for two hours, they chanted that one phrase. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Could you imagine that? For two hours. You know, one of the places I, I just don't like to play at is Konawina. We got a graduate here. But, uh, Konawina, we call it the jungle. And it is the jungle. We went there at homecoming, and they are loud. Like, Kona, Kona. For three straight hours, they're just yapping. And, and they're doing their part. That's what the enemy does. The enemy is doing this. I come to steal, kill, and destroy. I come to steal, kill, and destroy. I come to steal, kill, and destroy. I come. And you, we, when we're, if we're not spiritually in tune with the gospel, then we become numb to his attacks. And when we become numb to his attacks, we lose track of the gospel. We overthink things. We're thinking too much. And then instead of thinking, instead of surrendering to the will of God, we're getting in a worse situation. But there is another shift that takes place in our text. Can I get a witness, right? I want, I want you to see. We haven't read it all the way through. But I want to go back to Acts chapter 19. Because, man, this is Ono, guys. Because we see that God takes control in this situation. Think about the Thessalonians. They're in an issue right now. They're being made fun of. Could you imagine that, guys? Two of your, your brothers up on the stage and thousands of people making fun of them. And then God, in his sovereign grace, takes control and he says, in verse 35, it's up on the screen, and when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, let's stop right there. I mean, the author don't even give us a name who that town clerk is. He just says, and when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know the city of the Ephesians is a temple keeper of the Artemis, of the great Artemis, and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither, all right, who are neither blasphemers or scarelesses of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against him, the courts are what? Open. And there are proconsul. Let them bring charges against one of them. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular, what? Assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that can be justified to this commotion. And when he had said these things, say those words with me, he dismissed the assembly. Look, God don't need to use a believer to, sh to fix things. You see what there? God will use anybody 
And this is where we have to come to commonality. Because you know what saved these two Christians was the laws of the land. Are you with me? Listen to me. Whether you like our president or not, whether you like our laws or not, there's a reason why they are there for the advancement of the gospel. Some laws does not line up with God's laws and we have to stand for truth. Amen, right? But the reality is God used a regular city clerk, all right, to change the momentum of the devil's attack. God used this. Look, they were chanting for two hours. Even the Jews could not quiet them. And then a lowly city clerk, well, let's call him a mayor, came in and he said, Kuli Kuli, hush, be quiet. And then he gives, he gives them the thorn of all thorns. All y'all out there are in dangerous grounds right now. Because you guys started an assembly that's against the law. Does that make sense? And every one of you can go to jail today if you do not dismiss this issue right now. What happened? God stepped in. God stepped in. How many of you have been in situations and you were just like these two brothers and you were struggling and God stepped in? How many of you can say God did that, right? How many of you were like, even in your mind, like, you don't, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm, God, there's so much sin in my life. I can't even understand truth right now. But God stepped in. I'm guilty. God steps in. Why? Because this whole idea of the gospel has to be moved forward. And if you're in the way, God will move you out of the way. Just like these Ephesians were in the way. God moved them out of the way. God used their own local people to move them out of the way so that that the gospel may advance. Look at what Hebrews says. It says, keep your life free from the what? Love of money. And be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never what? Leave you nor what? Forsake you. Here is the joy of the gospel. God is with you. Uh, it's not on the screen, but can everybody turn to Luke chapter 2? Turn to Luke chapter 2. As we think about the Christmas story, I want you to hear this clearly of what we see of God being with you. We see Jesus is about to be born. Actually, is in, I think, it, yeah. Jesus is about to be born. And we see this beautiful picture of what happens here in chapter 2. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesarea Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first generation when Cornelius, of the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. Are you guys with me? Say, I'm with you, Kao. I know there's a lot. Then we have to backtrack to, to, to chapter 1. And man, this is, bro, this is rich. Check this out. 
Before Jesus was born, we see that in the sixth month, in chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, of, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Mm. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was what? Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings of favored one, that the Lord is with you. Say that word again. The Lord is with you. Say that again. The Lord is with you. 29. But she was greatly troubled at saying, at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greetings this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you were conceived in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And of the kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And then the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. We will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, be, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Then later on we see in this text that he would be called Emmanuel. And the word Emmanuel means, help me out, God with us. Listen to me. Christmas can really be overshadowed by the paganistic rituals of all these Christmas Santa Claus and all this stuff. But here's the reality. Christmas reminds us God is with us. These Ephesian brothers was coming against these Thessalonica brothers and they reminded God is with us. God would not leave us. God would not forsake us. And as we focus on that, here's a story to be reminded. There's a missionaries called, in, there's a missionaries named John Williams and James Morris. They're from England, and they were credited for advancing the gospel in, in the Polynesian area, Polynesian, Micronesia, Melanesia. So you got to imagine these howlers coming from England, and they're advancing the gospel through all these tribes for the very first time. They, they ended up at Vanuta, which is uh, islands off of Australia, 2,000, 3,000 miles off of Australia. And when they got to Vanuta... They didn't even have time to share the gospel. There's an old picture with them in their suits on with the Bible, and they're running away from these native tribes because they're trying to get back on the ship because these native tribes are throwing spears and all that. What ended up happening, they didn't get back to the ship. They were speared and martyred for the cause of Christ. And so what happened after that, they believed in, like many islanders in the South Pacific at the time, they believed in cannibalism. And the people that was on the ship wrote the story and they said, we saw them on the beach, killed, all right, cooked and eaten. So these famous missionaries who brought the gospel through all of Polynesia, Micronesia, Malaysia, were eaten alive, possibly. Forty years later, a Scottish missionary would come to the same exact location, 
And he would see a difference than what these other two missionaries did not see. This missionary was named John G. Patton. And he traveled all through their area. And John G. Patton became the one known as one of the greatest missionaries in the South Pacific because of what he's experienced. And this is what John G. Patton wrote in his memoirs book about what is going on in Polynesia, Micronesia, and Malaysia. He says this, I recall this, what the gospel has done for the near kindred of these same aborigines on our own Athenium. Isn't it? He says this, 3,500 cannibals have been led to renounce their hedonism. He says, in Fiji, 79,000 cannibals have been brought under the influence of the gospel. Can I get a witness there, right? He says, and 13,000 members of the churches are professing to live and work for Jesus. Meaning they did not just get saved. They're doing something with their salvation now. It goes on to say, in Samoa, we got a lot of Samoans here. 34,000 cannibals have professed Christianity. And in 19 years, it's college. So they started a college, has sent forth 206 native teachers and evangelists. To over 200 Samoans advanced the gospel at this time. He goes on to say, on our new Hembridge, which is where Vanuta is at, more than 12,000 cannibals have been brought to sit at the feet of Christ. Though I mean not to say that they all they are all model Christians, and 133 of the natives have been trained and sent forth as teachers and preachers of the gospel. Did you know that majority of the South Pacific is reached with the gospel already? There's not much work to do already in South the South Pacific. What there is is there needs to be more encouragement of people to leave the South Pacific and to go to areas where the gospel is not prevalent. Does that make sense? People are being trained. Here's a biblical reality. God's activity around the world is alive and well. He continues to move the gospel forward through local businessmen and women, educators, politicians, athletes, and all sort of people with different platforms who are both known and unknown. What am I saying? The gospel is moving forward today. The gospel is moving. Don't get caught up with all the numbers and the logistics of that. God is, a, his activity is alive and well. And so here's how we need to respond today. We're not going to have an altar call. I just need to challenge you three ways. Here's an application. Because you know, sometimes we can hear so much truth and do nothing with it. This is what I want you guys to do. Three applications that are simple. Number one, pray and read your word daily. Pray and read your word daily. The first thing I do is that when I wake up. There's a theological reason called first fruits, and we can talk about that later. But my first fruit to God is prayer and reading every day. Number two, remain in gospel community. You need believers in your life. And listen to me. As much as unbelievers you hang around with, you need double of that for believers. Why? Because unbelievers have no hope. And so guess what they're going to share with you? No hope. That's why you act like them, talk like them, become like them. You need double the amount of believers. But sometimes there's areas that don't have that much believers. And number three, share Christ regularly. And listen to me, that may not be like how I do it every Sunday. Just build relationship. Build relationship. 
don't think, so we got some people who have the gift of evangelism in our room. And some of them, they can be more harm than good. Because the first thing they want to say before they even know the brother, hey, if you die today, you can go to heaven or you can go to hell. I'm going to promise you, if you told me that 15 years ago, you can get a punch in your jaw. You know what I'm saying? I promise that. Because I don't know you from Adam. Build relationships. Get to know them. All right? Now, there may be some equations that God may set up like, man, yeah, just share the gospel. Amen. Be sensitive. And you are sensitive as you pray and read your word daily. As you are remain in gospel community together, God will give you opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ.